All right. Haggai, chapter 2, verse number 8, and it reads as follows. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's pray before we get into today's message. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have it to learn from. You know, it's amazing how powerful your word is. It doesn't matter if we're not in the same room or same building. Your word transcends personal presence. Your word transcends the internet, spaces, distances that it's made manifest in all of us, Lord Make me, your humble servant, be able to speak your word today, that I can touch people, even though I can't see them right now, that your word be with all of us right now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last time, we continued our series on what I called managing life. Because life is stressful. Life has a lot of different stuff going on. It's complicated. Don't we as Christians wish that we could solve it all, solve the problems, and make it so that life gets easier? Well, folks, God already gave us the answer of how to make life easier. God already told us the way we manage life. Managing life, as we studied, is an exercise in our faith. Faith is the solution to all our problems. When we have the good faith, when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we believe in the Bible, we get the right mindset. And having the right mindset in our life leads us to have the right values, and when we have the right values, we're able to make the right choices in our life. The choices become easy. It's really simple. What happens is our faith sets the priorities. And we talked about in our previous messages that our priority, in the simplest sense, as Jesus Christ himself said to uh, Mary and Martha back in the Bible, what do he say? Our priority is simply the word of God. Everything flows from that. Really simple. If you live your whole life and you follow the word of God, everything will be easy. Everything will be easy. You have all the answers. There'll be no stress. There'll be no hard decisions. We talked about last time how if we take God's word seriously, if we follow these priorities seriously, we understand this. We are God's stewards. Stewards, that's the word we looked at last time quite a bit, right? It means that we are his servant, right? He has entrusted his world to us. God is the real owner of everything. God created the world, did he not? God created everything in the world. And it's up to us to manage all these gifts that God gave us wisely. Wisely. Right? Not supposed to be wasting everything God gave us. We're supposed to be thinking about how we can use all the things that God's given us, all the blessings that God's given us, in a way that glorifies Him. Last time, to give you an example of this, we talked about how we use our time wisely. We talked about how it doesn't mean, oh, you use your time for God 24 hours a day. We must be singing praises to God 24 hours a day and witnessing to people 24 hours a day. No, no, no. The idea is that in our hearts, in our hearts, our priority is to glorify God. Yes, we glorify God even as we work or go to school. Melvin touched on this on one of his... Uh, Sunday schools, right? Where it's like, hey, we're, we're working. We're still a testimony. We don't want to be the lousiest employee or the F student. Flex poorly on God, does it not? We bring glory to God even through things like our work, our school. We bring glory to God through our family. Do we have a good family, well-behaved family, a family that praises God, that worships God? Do we have a terrible family where no one goes to church and everyone swears and drinks and uh, does every bad thing imaginable? 
you get the idea, right? We spend a lot of time doing all the stuff that doesn't seem related to God. We're not witnessing 24 hours a day. We're not serving God 24 hours a day. But everything we do ought to be still for the glory of God. God gives us our free will to do the things that we need to do. And we have to choose, 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 choose to do what's right for him. Of course, he wants us to choose also to do those things directly for him, to serve him, to honor him, to glorify him. Right? And we talked about last time about how this current crisis maybe has refocused us a little bit to think carefully about how we spend our time. Some of us have a lot of time now, like Nathan was saying. Maybe this is a time you have the time to reevaluate your life and say, hey, I have, I have this time. Maybe it is time I refocus and say, this is a time for Bible reading, for verse memory, stuff that I thought I had no time for and I couldn't do, but now I realize I can do. Or maybe the opposite. Maybe you're like me. I'm busier than ever. I have no time to do anything, right? And I realize this. There's a lot of stuff I used to do that seems totally unimportant now. I feel like, oh, maybe I don't need these other things in my life that I was doing for so much time and so much effort and so much energy. Instead, focus on the key things. And one of the key things, of course, is my relationship with God. So related to this, being stewards of God, managing the stresses of life, one of the big, big, big dealios we have to deal with is managing our money. Money, right? Because I think everyone will agree this, money is central to our lives. No one here can say, I don't need money, right? You know what I can say here is, you know what? I don't need one dollar or one cent. We all need at least some money. We gotta live, we need food, we need a roof over our heads, right? We need clothes, all these things. How do you get them? Gotta have money, right? That's the way the world we live in today, right? So because we all need money, it is a necessity, right? We necessarily have to think about it, try to obtain it, and do all this stuff related to money in our life. And money is such a focus in the world. You look around at all the things out there. So much basically revolves around money. Practically everything, right? You watch TV. What is TV about? TV is not about, you know, art in the performance. It's about, let's get to the commercials so we can sell you something, right? You watch sports. Oh, sports is not just about, oh, the fun of the game. No, it's about these guys. This is their job. They're making millions of dollars and they'll make more millions. And then in the commercial, they're going to sell you some beer or sell you some whatever thing, right? You know, that's what sports is about too. Everything in the world is money, 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 right? In fact, I think normal people spend most of their lives thinking about money. Is that not true? I think even for us, we probably spend most of our lives, more than 50% of our lives, dealing with uh, issues relating to money, right? Um, for example, you work, right? You work. If you're like normal people, you work like what? Eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. There's only 24 hours in a day, right? And you already spend eight hours of it sleeping. How much of your waking hours is spent on work? <laughs> That's like more than half, right? And then you're not just working, you're thinking about it, right? You're thinking about earning it. You're thinking about how you spend it, right? Oh, I got it. You actually have to go out and spend it. You got to go to the store. Even the person that says, oh, 
I don't care about money. Money's not a big deal. Hey, everyone's got to eat. You got to go to the supermarket. You got to go spend that money. That's time, right? You got to invest your money somewhere. Save it somewhere. Figure that out. Some of you guys have to figure out how do I borrow money, right? I got to buy a house. I got to fly out applications. Thinking about how I can do this, that, and the other thing, right? It's all money, 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 money everywhere, right? And that's normal. That's normal. That's normal. And some people take it to the extreme nowadays, right? Oh. I got to think about retirement, and you hear this new movement of people, of people trying to do like what they call the the fire method, right? Save up enough money so I can retire by like age 35 or age 40, right? So that I can do whatever I want. That's my dream. My dream is I have so much money that I can retire and do whatever I want. You know, actually, that's not. You know, side note, I do not recommend the fire message. I don't think it's biblical, right? It's our life is not supposed to be about do whatever I want, right? That's their goal, right? Their goal is I don't have to work anymore. I can do whatever I want. God makes that clear that that's not what our dream should be. Our dream shouldn't be doing whatever I want. We should be doing what God wants, right? That's, that's the way to be a good Christian, right? To do what God's want. We've been talking about this a lot, right? So that's the way it goes. The world is so focused on us. The world worships money right? We lionize the rich. Who are our heroes? Our hero is like Michael Jordan, multi-millionaire basketball player, right? Oh, our heroes are these uh, tech guys who run this big company. Oh, Bill Gates is now our hero. He's a multi-billionaire. We all wish we could be like him. All wish we could be like Warren Buffett. These are the people aspire to. Even look at who is our president now, right? What was our president's main qualification before he got elected? Was he some great governor or mayor or whatever? No! His claim to fame, I am rich. You should vote for me because I'm rich, right? That's the world. And so money becomes a huge stressor when we see this, when the whole culture is revolved around money, 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 we start worrying about ourselves, right? When you know this, this is a fact, right? Money is the number one stress argument, stress, stressor for arguments in the families, right? Husbands and wives, divorces, leading from all from this arguing about how do we use our money how do we spend our money all this stuff right and you know especially today you see the financial stresses leading to a lot of disputes protests unhappiness right people are worried about money nowadays right so how do we handle this well we gotta look at the bible just like everything else right if we want to find the answer how do we handle all the stresses of money and managing money and spending money and all this kind of stuff it's really simple let's look at the bible and let's look at what god says the christian attitude toward money is what we're looking at right because there's a place for all these different things there's a place for giving there's a place for saving a place for planning a place for meeting our needs but we need to understand what God says about it first. First, we understand this, we're stewards of God's money. We read that verse in Haggai at the start. We also read this, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What hast thou that, did not, that thou didst not receive? Everything comes from God. If we understand that first, that everything on earth, including our money, comes from God, that informs the way we act. I gave this example last time, right? That, hey, Stewardship is managing someone else's stuff. And when you manage someone else's stuff, you're going to do a good job, right? If your boss gave you $1,000 and says, take care of it, we would take really good care of it. Because we know this. If we do something bad with $1,000, we lose it. We might get fired, right? If we do something good with $1,000, maybe that looks good on us, we get promoted, right? So that's the way we as stewards of God ought to understand too. Everything on earth is God's. 
right? How are we going to manage it in a way that he likes, right? He says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. It's all yours, God. How can we do a good job for you that makes you happy? The money itself is not an evil thing, right? And there's nothing wrong with actually having money or even a lot of money. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says this, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Right? It's he that giveth us the power to get wealth. Even God says in the Bible that we can get wealth. Money is central to our daily living. There's nothing wrong with having money. Right? Some people say this. They say this. Oh, oh, oh. Money is such a big problem, you should just get rid of all your money, right? Live like the uh, communists always dreamed of, right? We sell everything, and then we live on bare minimum. We take a vow of poverty, and we, we, we just share to get the bare minimum need. Isn't that the Christian ideal, right? The answer is actually no. That's actually not biblical, right? There were some instances in the Bible of people selling stuff to help brothers and sisters in need, but there's never anything that says that all the people in the Bible were poor and all the people sold everything. That was some. That was as needed. And that's probably still true today, that, hey, we should do that if people are in need or whatever, right? But instead, we see in the Bible a lot of this. We see some people who are really rich. We heard about in the Sunday school today. What about Job? He was really, really rich, right? What about King Solomon? He was really, really rich, right? What about Lydia, Lydia, seller of purple? She was rich. There's people, rich people all over the Bible, right? Doesn't mean that everyone is poor. God gave riches for us to earn, to have, to enjoy, right? In the earth, there are literally gold and diamonds buried in the ground. Why did God put them there? Did he want them to remain covered forever? Or did he think that one day we dig them up and enjoy them, right? And use them for stuff. That's the way God created this world. So money is part of our lives. Nothing wrong with you guys having a job, having a business, earning money, maybe even earning lots of money, right? But the issue is this, the issue is this, is that money is really a test of our morality. Test of our morality. You see, God's given us all these gifts, right? And it's different gifts for each person. Some of us have some money. Some of us have a lot of money. Some of us have very little money, right? No matter what it is, those are God's gifts entrusted to us. We're the stewards of that money. And he's given us all that money for good and to do good and to praise him and to honor him and all that stuff. Unfortunately, man takes that money and what do we do with it? We pervert it and we use it for evil instead. It's really simple. It's really simple. You know, if I were to look at someone's bank account, right, and see, oh, here's the inflow and here's the outflow, it's really easy to see what your priority is just from looking at that, right? When you look at where your money goes, that's where your heart is. That's where your heart is, right? It's obvious. It's obvious, right? There's nothing wrong with the, uh, the money itself, right? What's the problem is the moral implications of how we use the money, right? God gives us money. We can do a lot of good stuff with it, right? We can care for our families. We can support missionaries. We can do all sorts of good. We, saw all, we can also do all sorts of bad. We can buy drugs and alcohol. We can gamble it all away and lose it in an instant, right? These are all the things that the same money can do. 
God wants us, obviously, to, do, to use our money in ways that are good, noble, beneficial, right? But he also doesn't say that we ought to use it all for him. There's no rule that says you need to donate 100% of your income to the offering plate, and if you don't, you sin, right? No, I don't do that. Even Melvin and Nathan don't do that. They spend their money on stuff. We see it. They own houses and cars and all these other things. They go on vacations, right? There's nothing wrong with doing those things. There's nothing even wrong with having luxury items and things like that. Of course, we would be thankful to God when he blesses us with all these things, right? No one has to take a vow of poverty, right? We're allowed to richly enjoy God's blessings. But the problem comes when our attitude changes toward those things, when our attitude becomes indulgent, when our attitude becomes self-centered. And that's when we hit the wrong way. God makes it clear in the Bible this. In Ecclesiastes 5.10, he says this, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with his increase, that is also vanity. He that loves silver will not be satisfied. If your goal is get more money, more money, more money, you won't be satisfied because you can always get more money, right? You can always get more and more and more. Buy a bigger house, buy a bigger car, buy uh, more, have a fancier vacation, so on and so forth. And the famous verse, 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Money can become our idol. Money can become our idol, right? We become so enamored with money that this consumes our thought because you know what here's the truth it does feel better to have more money than it does have little money right that's uh that's an obvious thing right i feel the same way right it feels a lot more comfortable if my bank account is full compared to when it's empty right we all would say the same thing so that's why we spend time effort energy trying to get more of it right but what happens what happens when we keep focusing on that and, and putting our emphasis on that and staking our heart on that, it does become our idol. Because what happens? Well, we, derive, we start to derive our security from money, right? I feel safe now because I have so much money, right? It becomes our, uh, it becomes our goal now. Oh, I need to get this more security. It's my goal now to get even more money. It becomes my pursuit now to get more and more money. Well, guess what? And that's, becomes, and that's what makes our happiness now. Oh, it's, I'm happy because I have more and more money because I can buy more things and do whatever and have more security. Folks, that's the wrong attitude because according to the Bible, where should we be getting our security from, our safety from? Our security comes from God. God is the one protecting us. Where should our joy come from? Not about how much money or possessions we have. Our joy comes from God, right? What should our priorities be in terms of what we're doing with our time and effort and energy? Shouldn't be, oh, can I get more money and more uh, security and happiness through money? It should be, can I get more Christ-like, living more for Him, praising Him more, honoring Him more? Godliness is characterized by a pursuit of God and having a godly attitude in all things. Worldliness, that comes from having the heart of money. You see, it's not about how much money we have. There's some people that have very little money and they still have the wrong attitude. There's some people that have a lot of money and they've got totally the right attitude. 
It's all about how we deal with it, because God looks at our heart. Are we a good steward? Are we managing this correctly? Whether we have $1 million or not $1 million, right? God gives us whatever he gives us. That's his choice. We're the steward. We're supposed to do what's right. We're supposed to love God, serve God, honor God, glorify God. Unfortunately, that's not the way some people have chosen to live their lives, right? Some people, for example, they have businesses, right? And, you know, nothing against businesses. I hope all your guys' businesses do well, right? But for some, it becomes all-consuming. This business is the thing I worry about 24 hours a day. This is my whole financial security. It all rides on this business. I could lose my house. My family will be devastated. They'll be sad. The only thing that will make me happy is if I keep on investing more and more in this business and make it better and better and better and better. And that becomes their life. God by the wayside. Folks, that's totally against the Bible. Right? Totally against the Bible. You're laying up your treasures here on earth then, not laying up your treasures in heaven. Right? We're off to invest in eternity. It's fine to have a business. It's fine to work hard at your job and earn more money and get bonuses and raises. Those are good things. God wants you to have money and enjoy it, right? But God doesn't want you to only do that, to be solely focused on that. People say this. People say, hey, it's my money. Can't I do what I want with it, right? It's my money, right? But we have to remember, it's not your money. It's God's money. So it's God's business what you do with it. So when we have only a love of money, we're going wrong. What's the problem with loving money? Well, a few things, right? The love of money, number one, makes us forget God, right? What do the rich need God for, right? They say this. I've got everything under control with my millions in the bank, right? If I got a problem, my money will solve it, right? I'm sick, I can afford the best hospital, the best doctor, it'll solve it. My house burns down, I've got so much money, I'll buy a new one, right? They don't have to worry about anything. So are those people going to say, I'm putting my faith in God for everything? They don't, right? But that's what God wants, right? God doesn't want us to rely on some number in a bank account. God wants us to rely on Him to pray to him earnestly, right? That our dilemmas are tests of faith, not tests of who has more money. When we have too much money, sometimes it makes us forget God. Number two, when we have too much money, or when we focus so much on money and love money, it's easier for us to be deceived, right? Who are the influential people in the world nowadays? Oh, this guy's got money. God must have blessed him. Why else does he have so much money? We better listen to what he says. He must be a smart guy. Folks, that's not true at all. God never said that, oh, the measure of how blessed you are is how much money you have. Totally false. Look at all the great apostles in the Bible and such. Many of them did not have much money. They're just normal working class people. It's not a barometer at all, but the world wants us to think that. There's this whole prosperity gospel movement that says, oh, I'm a great preacher because I have a private jet and I have a big mansion. That's totally fraud. They're preaching a false gospel, trying to get people to focus on money, right? And how many Christians have gone the wrong way, trying to rather follow the advice of some financial guru. Oh, this financial guru says this, I need to do this and change my life like this and live my life according to what the expert rich guy says instead of following what the expert Bible says, which is what God says, right? Money, love of money, the pursuit of money can deceive us. Finally, the love of money can make us compromise our convictions. We care so much about money. Will we do something like, you know, um, lie to get a job promotion? Will we falsify 
our job application to make sure we get that job? Would we work on a Sunday and forsake God? Would we deny the testimony of Jesus Christ to make sure we don't get in trouble at work, right? Folks, real Christians do this stuff. We know that. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But when we love money, we fall into those traps. To put it simply, when we love money too much, we act like a non-Christian. Because that's what non-Christians do. Non-Christians do all those things, right? Non-Christians, they listen to the rich guy. Non-Christians, they're willing to compromise God's word. They do all of that. You see, the sin is not enjoying your money or having money. The sin is overindulgence, being self-centered, self-indulgent, being focused, having the wrong attitude in our heart. So how can we instead be good stewards of God's money? Well, a few points, and we'll wrap up quickly as our time is running short. Number one, when we get money from God, blessings from God, number one, God does want us to provide for ourselves, provide for our family, right? There's nothing wrong with uh, providing for uh, all your needs and even our wants, right? It's good that we can be a testimony to say, look, this is a Christian family. They own a house. They have a car. Their kids wear nice clothes, right? It's not about who can be the poorest and say, oh, your kids go to school in rags and you drive the car that looks like it's going to die any second now, right? There's nothing wrong with saying, I drive a nice car, it works, right? And, uh, you, know, sitting, you know, making sure your kids are happy in their lives, right? Going on a vacation or whatever, right? Like Nathan, oh, I want to travel the world. There's nothing wrong with that, right? People are allowed to enjoy God's money. For, but most importantly, the idea is to provide first and foremost. You're providing for yourself, providing for your family. I think one of the big questions that we're faced with now during this crisis, thinking about what's our wants versus our needs, right? And to focus more about our needs. I know some of you guys might be having financial troubles now. You know, pay cuts, and, uh, uh, layoffs, furloughs, all over the news, right? And forcing you guys maybe to reevaluate. What do I really need? What do I spend my money on? Maybe it's a good reflection for all of us. You know, even for me, I haven't faced any of that stuff. You know, praise be to God. But even then, you know, right now I realize I don't have the opportunity to spend so much money anymore. I don't go out. I'm not buying stuff. And I'm saying, hey, maybe I should reevaluate. Am I spending my money the way it should be? Should I be focusing my money elsewhere, right? Time to reevaluate nowadays. Second thing God wants us to do with our money, God wants us to pay our debts. Pay our debts, right? There's nothing wrong with going to debt. You know, people borrow money to buy cars, buy houses, you know, that's a function of things that we need to do, but God expects us to pay it back, right? It's a bad testimony to say, I'm going bankrupt and I can never pay you back, right? Horrible testimony, right? Also, the more we're in debt, the more we're in debt, the more we're enslaved to money, are we not, right? In Proverbs 22, too, it says the borrower is a servant to the lender. Some people ask me this, right? I'm talking about this, you know, like, you know, back in like 10 years ago. I was like, Norman, why don't you buy a second house? That was, such, that was like the greatest time, right? If I would have bought a second house 10 years ago, it would be great now. The house would have doubled in value and all that. And, you know, back then at the time, why didn't I buy a second house? I said, oh, because I said this, I don't want to have two mortgages, right? It's like, that's a lot of stress. If I have two mortgages, what happens? Then my whole life is worrying about oh, do I have enough money to pay the second mortgage, right? And, you know, I have to make sure I have enough money. I make sure I have to always have a job. I have to work super duper hard. Make sure I keep getting raises and bonuses and stuff like that. That becomes my whole life, right? I don't want that. I don't want that stress. I don't want that worry, right? Give me the simple life where I don't have to worry about being enslaved to debt. 
So God wants us to pay off our debt so they're not enslaved by it. So we have the freedom to do with our money things that glorify God, right? If we're slaves to debt, we don't have money to pay for missionaries. We don't have money to put on the offering plate. We don't have money to help out brothers and sisters. We don't have money to care for our own families, right? Can we care for brothers and sisters? That's what he wants our money, our money to be done with. God talks about also using our money to be saved. Melvin talked about this uh, last week, talking about, you know, or a couple weeks ago, right? We talked about, oh, you know, like the ant, right? The Bible is full of examples where God promotes things like saving. That's kind of obvious, right? Don't spend more than you have. Save for a rainy day. Don't become a burden on other people, right? By not having any kind of savings. And again, you know, this crisis kind of has drawn a highlight to that, right? That those people who have savings right now sure feel a lot more comfortable than those people who have no savings right now, right? God's wise. He's given us that. And finally, last point, God wants us to give, right? Give us all this money. He has all these things you can do with it, right? You can enjoy it. You can spend it for your family. You can pay off your debts. You can save for the rainy day and all stuff. But don't forget, God wants us to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver, right? God loves a cheerful giver. Let's not forget about our tithes, our offerings. You know, even in this time, Melvin pointed out, you guys better be here. Are we still focused on that? Are we still remembering that this is God's money? Remember, it's not our money. He gave it to us, and he wants us to invest it in good things. And what better thing we could we invest in than his eternal kingdom? Money for getting people saved, money for sponsoring missionaries, money for his church building, money for brothers and sisters. You know, I was really encouraged to hear Melvin talk about the other week about, hey, you know, we know this is a crisis. Some of you guys maybe have financial troubles. Let us know. Maybe the church can help. That's wonderful. That's what the church has money for, right? That's a great use of money. No, great use of money isn't going to Las Vegas and having a fancy vacation and gambling all the way. A great use of money is, hey, you guys are having a tough time, in need. The church can help you. The church can love you, even through money. Let us know. If you're really having a problem, you lost your job, having a struggle, let us know. We're right back to the same principle we started with when we started this series, right? Whether it be your wealth, possessions, money, it's all about our spiritual character, right? It's all about our spiritual character, right? If we have biblical thinking, if we have biblical thinking, if we have biblical priorities, we make the biblical choice and imagining money becomes really easy. Here's the wrap up, the conclusion. The quote says this, since my money is God's money, every spending decision I make is a spiritual decision. Folks, how, how much simpler would it be if we use that to guide our life, guide our spending? It would give us a lot more answers, I think. And I challenge you guys, as you reevaluate your finances in this weird time, right, to think about that. Think about, you know, as I spend this money on whatever it is, right, my family, my debts, my vacations, my whatever, my excesses, my necessities. What does God think about this? How is this spiritual decision, and how does this reflect on us? And that, in a nutshell, is how we manage life. We have that same framework, and we apply it to everything. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you've given us your word that sets forth your priorities, that guides us in how we live our lives, that gives us wisdom and judgment 
in deciding how to do the right things. We want to be good stewards for you, God. We want to make sure that as we live our lives, we are thinking about you in our hearts first and foremost, that your priority is our priority. We can enjoy our lives and enjoy our money. There's nothing wrong with doing that. We want to keep on doing that. But God, we want to make sure also that our heart is for you. That our greatest goal is not to have the biggest house or the biggest vacation or the biggest car. It's to have the life of Christ as much as possible. It's so hard. There's temptations everywhere. There's struggle everywhere. I wish I had more money sometimes too, right? And all of these people in the audience probably feel that sometimes too, right? But we're going to put our faith in you, our trust in you, to honor you in all things and to have you help us manage our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.